0: trek companion this is episode 209 i'm your host brian williams i'm adam caesar i'm Stephen embry and today we're going to finish out voyager's third season discussing the episode's worst case scenario and scorpion part one
1: here we go Worst Case Scenario, Season 3, Episode 25, Production Code 167, Original Airdate, May 14th, 1997. Directed by Alexander Singer, written by Kenneth Biller, music composed by Dennis McCarthy. Guest cast include Martha Hackett as Seska and Zach Lebeau as
2: Ensign Larson. Various members of Voyager's crew discover a holodeck simulation called Insurrection Alpha in which the Maquis members of the ship's crew mutiny against the Starfleet officers. The program appears unfinished, and its author is unknown. As the program becomes popular, Tuvok admits he wrote the program himself to train his security officers in the event of a possible Maquis rebellion. However, as the Maquis proved to integrate well with their crewmates, Tuvok abandoned the program, believing that it would have exacerbated tensions.
0: You're a good officer. I like you. And I wouldn't want to see you get hurt.
2: Computer, halt turbo lift.
0: <laughs> Look, what's this all about?
2: There are going to be some changes around here. All of the Maquis are in line, and about 25 of the Starfleet crew are with us.
1: Are you saying there's going to be a mutiny?
0: I always like this episode. I think it's fun. I think it's well written. It's it's plotted nicely. It's it's shot in a fun way. Even when you like repeat a scene, it's shot a little differently and cut a little differently i just i think this is just a fun all-around episode um it's a very satisfying episode to watch especially early on kind of toward the end maybe sometimes i feel like they they, well we got to have some kind of jeopardy or whatever but and that's fine it's all fine but the fun stuff it's 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 is the first half for me but anyway i like this one a lot steve what are your first thoughts
1: yeah. I think it's uh, I think it's entertaining and, uh, it is kind of unusual. I mean, it struck me early on in the episode how, well, not early on in the episode, about halfway through when there's seen, when there's really no, um, nothing of any gravity going, you know, going on where there's nothing, there's no peril at all. No one's in any kind of threat. And, and that's really kind of unusual. If you think about at least boy at this time, you know, episodic television action adventure show, when there's like nothing on the line and you're like two thirds of the way into the episode, it, it's a little odd when you get used to watching them. But, um, as far as kind of just a, you know, everyone, I, I agree it's well written and uh, you kind of there's the relationships between people and the interactions and it's and it's fun and entertaining, so it's just kind of a a light diversion, really.
2: Adam, um, yeah, I agree. I like the episode as well. I mean, um, you know, for a holodeck episode, because that's kind of what this is. Um, you know, it's it's unique and it's kind of original from what we've seen. You know, um, from Next gen, DS9 and into this and you know, the mysterious author and you know, you have a little mystery about who's who wrote this and why they wrote it. And you know, I'm sure the actors had fun um playing different roles within the within the program, you know, being bad. Um so yeah, I enjoyed it too. It's well paced. Um it's got some mystery, a little bit of action. Um, um so yeah, I, I agree with you both.
0: There's a moment near the beginning. What is it, Torres? What does she shoot? She shoots uh, Kim, I think, right? Mm-hmm. And then she gets on the turbo lift, and Chakotay's like, "It's okay, it's okay." She says she's a little rattled from shooting Kim, and he says something like, "It's okay, he's only stunned." I just, I just had this image of her, maybe her response. You know, she was like, "Oh wait, I was supposed to have that on stun." <laughs> <laughs> uh, I don't know. There's a lot of like. It's it's fun to watch it from the point of view of thinking. Okay, well, this is this was Tubak's interpretation of these people early on, like early season one, right? You know, him imagining mm-hmm. yeah. uh, this is who Chakotay kind of was, and Seska, and you know, et cetera. That's kind of an interesting insight into, and he talks about you know how he how he changed his kind of viewpoint. Uh, but that's a that's a great little moment of reveal too. Whenever. Tubak is like, there's no need to investigate. I authored it. You know, because even now, like, I re- I remember this episode, but I kind of didn't remember that it was Tupac until, right up until he was about to say it. I'm like, oh, yeah, because I, I couldn't remember. Because there's part of you is like, wait, what's, did Seska write the program? That's what you remember, right? You remember Seska. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So even after all this time, it still has some, you know, just some fun reveals. And we get a little bit of that, of... Uh, tom
1: and balana's relationship i think they've done a good job with that you know when they kind of gradually bring it in you know i, I think the way they've kind of snuck little bits in on, on all these episodes you know i think it's i think it's good tuvok is as always the funniest
0: guy on the show and
1: <laughs>
0: gets some some good lines <laughs> his reaction to neelix is always precious
1: yeah yeah
2: Well, it's fun to see them. And, you know, like Steve was, was mentioning, you know, there's not any like um, real serious peril. There's not, you know, going on here. It's a pretty much, you know, like they're traveling through space and it's pretty, pretty quiet, but yet you have this program going on and you get to see them interact without any kind of high drama going on. So, you know, they get in this collaborative effort and you know, obviously Tom and um, Tuvok are kind of arguing about how this is going to go. And then everybody starts showing up like, Oh, I have this idea, this idea, that idea. Um, so it, it kind of seems like it would be like a normal, like a normal week on Voyager um, that we don't often get to see usually, like there's some, something crazy going on.
1: I think the stuff with the uh, the doctor, holo- well, hol- of course, the hologram, the hologram of the hologram is pretty horrific. I think like, you know, uh, evil doctors, there's something particularly awful yeah. about someone is reveling and hurting somebody with their medical devices, you know. I'm glad
0: he didn't wear any contact lenses, though. Yeah, <laughs> <Right>. <laughs>
1: they dig those out again. It's like, hey, just roll time, sake.
2: Actually, I actually was kind of amused, you know, when um, the 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 Neelix um, character turned so quickly. I'm going to join your side. Yeah, kind
0: of... uh, you know, I will. I will also say that this is a nice, you know, light lightish episode before the craziness of scorpion and frankly how that's going to change everything for season four so it's so it's even like well placed in the context of the show this Mm -hmm. episode Mm -hmm. of course we haven't even really talked about Sasuke coming back which is always a blast but anyway uh is this episode about anything
2: creative differences (laughs) i don't know i kind of had a harder time kind of trying to figure out what it was about because it's like what we said it is kind of a light a, and I don't even think that's the right way to describe it as a light episode, but I mean, it's not, um, it's, there's not high drama going on. Um, um, I, I guess you could talk about how, where we started and where we're at now, right now, you know, Tuvok, obviously, you know, early on didn't trust any, anybody from the Maquis. And, you know, he came up with this program and was kind of hit it aside and he thought he deleted it. When once that he realized that, um, the crew was, was integrating well and was going to be able to achieve their mission together. So I think it, it says a lot about how you learn and you grow to trust, um, those around you. And, um, yeah. And then, you know, that kind of manifests later on in the episode, you know, when Paris and Tubak have to, you know, they're working together, not only to try to rewrite this, this write it into this program, but, um, to solve Seska's version of it.
1: Yeah, I think, you know, it's tempting initially to try to look at the uh, the the big drama, you know, real peril stuff to find out what they're trying to say. But yeah, I, I agree. I think it's more about, look how far we've come to where we have the simulation of, you know, of fighting amongst ourselves to having to come together to fight off, you know, a, a mutual foe or whatever. So I think that's kind of the core of it.
0: All right, let's do Six Degrees for Worst Case Scenario. Steve, are you going first or second? I'll go oh, first. Okay. <laughs> uh, is that what you said? Yep. yep. This episode features the return of Seska, but in holographic form. naming the episode where
1: the real Seska dies. Hmm. The title and stuff. Um, gosh. I'm trying to remember what the story was. Oh, is that the... the- cliffhanger thing is that basics part two
0: yes sir adam the ds9 episode civil defense features a similar premise to this episode where the leftover computer program takes over and threatens to kill was that season one three or five i'll say five nope uh no points for you steve but what would you have said three yeah it was three I thought that was a hard one because in my my memory somehow that was a season one episode, but I guess not.
2: Yeah, it was I? That's I was thinking. But three it was There no, was wasn't one.
1: All righty, moving on. Steve has One. Scorpion Part One, Season Three, Episode Twenty Six, Production Code One Sixty Eight. Original air date May 21st, 1997. Directed by David Livingston. Written by Brandon Braga and Joe Minoski. Music composed by Jay Chataway. Guest cast include John Rice Davies as Leonardo da Vinci, Erica Lynn Bryan as Young Annika Hansen, David Anthony Marshall as Magnus Hansen, and Nikki Tyler Flynn as Eric Hansen. <laughs>
2: Voyager's crew discover from long-range probes that they are approaching a sector of space occupied by the Borg. The Borg occupation covers thousands of star systems, but they find a narrow path through the sector that the Borg avoid due to numerous gravi- gravitational distortions within it. The senior staff agree that it is better to ride through this path the Northwest Passage rather than face the Borg directly. While helping the Doctor craft antibodies to disable Borg assimilation, Kes has a brief vision of a pile of Borg corpses. She starts to experience several more, all based around the destruction of the Borg and Voyager.
1: I
0: want safe passage through your space. Once my ship is beyond Borg territory,
2: I'll give you our research.
1: Unacceptable. Our space is vast. Your passage would require too much time. We need the technology now. Adam, kick us off.
0: Scorpion, part one.
2: Scorpion. Um. Yeah, we get the Borg. You know, they've been, we've been kind of leading up to, into this throughout the season. You know, hinting at the Borg. You know, we we had the episode with Chakotay where he's, you know, kind of assimilated into a side section of the Borg. Um. So you know, this isn't a surprise. This is this has been coming. Um. It it kind of reminded me a little bit of um next gen. You know, when, when they did this, this is obviously a, a big cliffhanger episode. Um, I think it works well. You know, towards the end of the episode, we see Voyager being carried off by a poor cube. So, you know, it's, you know, high drama there. And you have to, you know, back then we had to wait three months to see what happened. Um, so um, I think the cliffhanger works well. The suspense in this episode works well. I, I even kind of like this. I like the storyline. You know, the there's a an enemy that's more powerful than the Borg, and they you know easily destroy the Borg. I think one of my favorite scenes in the episode is when um, Voyager is overtaken by the um, the Borg fleet. It's kind of an ominous thing. It was a kind of a cool visual scene. You know, you know, fifteen Borg cubed just you know, pass by Voyager. So
0: yeah, when they pass by and they don't attack and you're like, holy
2: yeah. crap, just, just one stops and scans them real quick. So I, I thought that was a really um, um, neat visual um, considering, you know, what, what we've gone through with the Borg um, throughout the years um, in Star Trek. So I, I enjoyed that scene. Um, the one thing that, uh, you know, and the question that I'll pose to you and maybe see what you guys think Um I can't help but think that, you know, it helps us, you know, push the story, obviously, but I can't help but thinking that Janeway pushed a lot in this episode. and I'm asking you guys, is that, was that in character for her or out of character? It seems like a little bit over the top.
0: I think this is where she's been heading. Mm-hmm. You know, I really feel like she's been getting a little more bold and, and I don't know. Um, maybe desperate is too strong of a word, but she's yeah. a little bit more open to taking a risk. Big risk. Than she was early on, you know.
2: You know, obviously the scene between her and Jakote and the and her ready in the ready room. Yeah, it's you know, a great that, scene. You, you it's think. really
0: good. It's like good writing and good performances okay. there.
2: You know, and you can see both point of view, you know, yeah. both points of view, um, very well. Um yeah, so, I mean, that that was the one thing that I, you know, I, like I said, I, I didn't dislike the, the choice, what they did with Janeway. I'm not saying that oh, it was bad or anything like you. Yeah, I just, uh, that was the question that I'm just kind of posing. Was it over the top or was it too much or did it go too far?
1: What do you think, Steve? Well, yeah, I think I think what she did, I mean, I guess it's in character and all. It does get, you know, a little, uh, I don't know, harsh at times how, you know, I mean, I guess, you know, you've got to, if, if you really believe a, a certain course of action is the way to go, then she's got to stick to her guns and roll with it and they respect her and they, you know, um, but yeah, well, in a way we've seen this kind of behavior, we see it throughout the series, you know, just kind of making, you know, taking, taking maybe even unpopular choices at times, you know, things that maybe most of the crew wouldn't choose to do, you know, for whatever, you know, you'd pick some other alternative, but that's, that's her, you know, and, um, as far as the episode as a whole, uh, yeah, I like it. I think it's. Um, I agree. It's got this kind of. It's kind of got this thing that it feels big and epic and two part, and it's Borg, and so it of kind of. It's very familiar, you know. It's. Um, I'm not going to say that makes it kind of dull, it's. It's hard. It's hard in retrospect to remember how. How little Borg stuff there was still, you know. It wasn't like you know we had it in and out, and it's we see it all the time, and you're so familiar with it, but obviously this is this is the beginning of you know the the Borg and how how it affects this series as a whole and how the big you know it uh plays such a difference in the way that, the direction the series goes so yeah
2: had first contact been released by the time this episode was out? I can't remember yeah
1: mm-hmm. about almost a year prior or maybe okay. half a year prior or something like that
2: okay. Like I said, it was a really bold decision because you know she's going to the board with this this offer, and if it doesn't work out, they're pretty much you know assimilated. So that's mm-hmm. you know it's kind of crazy there towards the end.
0: I was trying to confirm in my research, but I was really unable to do so. That right now they knew Jennifer Lean was not going to be coming back, and that a Borg person was going to be. A regular on the show because the way this episode ends, that doesn't have to be the case. It doesn't right. end with with seven of nine walking out or something like that, right? Yeah. yeah. Then the the resolution of this episode, part two in the beginning of the next season, could have just been resolving this episode. It didn't have to be.
1: Yeah.
0: Jennifer Lean is out and Jerry Ryan is in. So I'm kind of always kind of I'm kind of want to know was that a decision made like over the summer <laughs> when they were t- deciding. My guess is that it was made earlier because I have read that they'd originally planned for this to be Year of Hell Part 1 and Season 4 to open with Year of Hell Part 2, and that maybe they pushed that off because they decided to make some cast changes. Mm. So I've heard that a few different times. I've read that in a couple of different places. But without really seeing somebody, you know, I don't know, Jerry... Taylor or or Brandon Braga or somebody saying, yeah, we put that there because we knew we were going to have this seven or nine character. That's what I haven't read or seen or heard that I would love to know.
2: Was Jerry Ryan cast by this time? Because obviously she's not in this episode. I mean, no, no. I mean, and um, you know, Cass had a prominent role in this episode. I mean, we, we kind of talked about how she's kind of just been brushed aside. Yeah, she
0: She was used very well. Mm-hmm. That that whole thing with the uh, you know her premonitions—that's a it creepy well. butt image with all those like dead mm-hmm. board things. By the way, those were Playmates action figures. I don't know if you guys knew that. <laughs> <It> <laughs> oh, makes okay. me chuckle because I know that's how it was done. They just they cut up some Playmates action figures. <laughs> <Wow>. <laughs> it makes me laugh. But yeah, you know she's she's used well here,
2: and she's what. She she's not out in part Part Two, didn't she go a couple episodes? She's in. A,
0: I want to say she's in a few episodes of season four, but I don't think her name is in the in the opening credits anymore. I mm-hmm. think this is the last time she's in the opening credits.
2: Gotcha.
0: I'm pretty sure. I could be remembering that wrong.
2: Because yeah, I mean, we'll know. You know, obviously in January, but I can't. I was thinking about that as like I kind of remember her going like two or three episodes. Before yeah, I think finished. that's
0: true. I just I I think that she's probably gonna get like guest star. Status and not
2: right, they didn't renew her contracts, so yeah. I don't just did her show by show
1: sequence, but it seems like it may be as soon as the second episode of this of the next season, it's the second or third, and they write her out and all that. Um, yeah, but but
2: know. she pulls it, she does have a sesca appearance like in season seven, right?
1: I want to say there's a couple
0: of times she comes back, maybe I'm remembering that. Wrong. I mean, I remember one for sure, but I feel like there was another.
1: I thought it was just once, but I don't know—just once, if it was season seven or not? I know it's yeah. later, maybe season six. I don't know.
2: Yeah, yeah, six or seven. Yeah, where she's pissed off at Voyager,
1: mm-hmm. and she walks on
0: that treadmill. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Species eight four seven two. We don't see a lot of them here, but um, I always thought they were cool at the time. I thought they were cool. They were the first like computer generated yeah. species that wasn't cheesy <laughs> or overly simple. Yeah possibly in all of TV. I mean I I'm not sure I can name somebody else that was entirely CG that that immediately was cool and kind of believable. But did I, all like the other stuff I can name for you were all, you know, cheesy, early primitive looking CG
2: stuff. What you didn't like the Gorn in Enterprise? <laughs> <laughs> well, it's funny? You you joke, but you know what? That was years later. <laughs> yeah, no, that's why I brought it up because it was, it was years later. You know, this species actually kind of it kind of holds up all right. Um, but yeah, we were. I remember the first thing I thought: the corn. Oh yeah, they were terrible with an enterprise. And that, like I mm-hmm. said, that's probably what about five years later.
0: So you know, we're going to learn a lot more about species eight four seven two, but here they are presented as purely this evil. Race that's just coming into our space to try and conquer, conquer. Mm -hmm. You know, there's no sense of, you know, what this kind of stuff we're going to learn about them and it's going to make them a little bit empathetic. That's not that's going to come later,
2: it's certainly not here. And I think they're pretty effective. Yeah, I'm going to say, didn't the Borg attack them initially? Isn't it the Borg that discovered them and attacked them? Yeah, that's what we're going to find out. out, I believe
0: they the Borg went into their space, Uh, I think
2: we'll find out for sure
0: the actual the actual end ending um when all of a sudden 8472 kind of attacks and you know uh, janeway is on the board cube and she says what's going on maybe it's not the best cliffhanger ending it kind of doesn't feel like
1: it, yeah
0: you, you kind of feel like there should be one more scene or something i don't know it right, doesn't feel right, like right. the
1: right spot to end yeah it's kind of like a, they're dragging them off okay good yeah I, mean, I don't you know okay yeah there's yeah. Dragging them. Trip away, yeah, yeah. But I mean, it's not bad.
0: It's just maybe not as tight as the rest of the. I mean, nobody was expecting Best of Both Worlds Part One, but you know, <laughs> fire.
2: <laughs>
1: mm-hmm.
0: What is this episode about?
2: Um, I think we might have a better answer for that when we see Part Two. But obviously, you know, it's about um, holding to your conviction. Well, kind of what I got from it is about holding your convictions because that's what Janeway is, is doing in this episode. Um, obviously, you know. Her, Chakotay for sure is, is, is not 100% behind her on that. I mean, he's behind her as far as this is my captain. I'll do what you say, but he doesn't agree with her decision. We don't really get into that much with the rest of the crew, but with Janeway, it's holding your convictions and, and, and going headstrong um, into what she believes is right.
1: Yeah. Along those lines, you know, that is one thing that I didn't like about what, Jane, we did, and this is when she like kind of gives him a hard time or whatever it is about. It. So I'm all I'm alone in this then or whatever. It's like, well, yeah. the is it? I think he established his position. It's like, okay, I disagree, but that doesn't mean I'm not going to execute your orders and and be behind you and we moving forward. I mean, that happens. That's that's life, you know. Her saying that, making it all personal, like I think, kind of irritated me. But anyway,
0: but she just to give you an aside, he specifically in a previous scene went out of his way to say, Hey, I'm with you. So I can kind of see where she's coming from actually. Yeah. I mean, if he hadn't, if there hadn't been that previous scene, you know, if he hadn't gone out of his way to say, I really am with you, you are not alone. I don't know. Yeah. I I kind of see it.
2: I I see what you're saying, bro. I, I, I think it was, did they just, it was just a little over dramatized just for writing's sake. Um, I'm kind of more with Steve on this one. It was just a little bit. I thought it was just a touch over the top right. you know her 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 giving him the guilt trip there at the end. I think
0: part of it was Chicote's fault because he tells the Scorpion and the Frog story with a scorpion <laughs> and a fox. <laughs> that really yeah. changes the tone of that of that Indeed. parable. and yeah. I think it's not as effective and it seems like he's like you know, dramatizing it. so
1: it's chicote. Uh, but yeah, I, I I think I more or less agree with. With the whole notion of, I mean, yeah, at least the, the, I mean, it's a lot of action and that kind of thing. And a lot of times with those kind of episodes, it is hard to find what the, what the, what the core message is, if there is one, but yeah, if anything, it's this whole Janeway is just, despite all the odds, you know, I have, there's a goal and I'm going to lead this bunch through that Home. goal, no matter how much objection, how hard it is, what I got to do, crazy stuff to get it done, whatever else, you know, so All right, so we all like this episode, right? Yes. Mm
0: -hmm. Let's do Six Degrees for Scorpion Part 2. Again, only like one kind of guest star, and he didn't do anything else on Star Trek, so it's not our traditional Six Degrees question, but I'm going to ask questions I want to ask this time. Uh (laughs) Uh, Let's see. Steve has one. Adam, are you going first or second?
2: I guess I'll go first.
0: John Rees Davies... Plays Leonardo da Vinci. Name his character from Lord of the Rings. Gimli. Very good. One-to-one, Steve. Are you going to take it for the day? <laughs> well,
2: but, but we didn't mention that. I did like that. Uh, I like the holodeck stuff. Where, yeah, it was um, fun. Or, you know, where they tried to do holodeck stuff with Janeway, that, that silly novel that didn't work, you know, her being a housemate. I, I mean, you know, I'm looking forward to more of the genre. We didn't talk about the, the genres stuff and the da Vinci stuff. I, I think it's fun and it, it fits her character.
1: I think I think so too, but it is funny any time there's like a big thing going on and you go over. It's the equivalent of right now, you're right in the middle of a big, dis, you know, something imminent, important decision you got to make. And it's just like crisis mode. And so you go watch some episode of television you like or something. I mean, that'd be the, that'd be the equivalent of, to get inspiration. It's just kind of funny, you know, I guess. I mean, it's not invalid, I suppose, but it is kind of funny. When you, think about it. <laughs> you know, I'm going to go hang out and watch my favorite program. Maybe I'll feel better about this. Anyway, the the question. All right. Well, let's see if you're going to win
0: sixeries for the day. In which Bond film did he play General Pushkin? Hint: It is Brian's favorite Bond
1: film, so that should tell you pretty much right there. I know we've spoken of this, and yep, uh, your yep, yep. favorite Bond film, huh?
0: John Rhys Davies plays General Pushkin. Smit spionum. God. was from Stalin's time.
1: Well, I'm t- I'm trying to think of when he was at his peak and why he would be around and what time he you know the film would be. Um and I have this vague memory of you saying like which actor you liked over others. But beyond that, as far as your favorite one, I don't know. Skyfall. I don't know.
2: Nope, Adam. I want to say Goldeneye, but it's not. I'm going to say in Living Daylights.
1: You got it. Yes,
0: sir. 1987, The Living Daylights. Timothy Dalton is my favorite Bond, and oh, The yeah. Living Daylight is my favorite Bond film. And Adam has tied it for the day.
2: <laughs> Yay!
0: Hey, Steve. Who who did the? What pop artist? What what band did the theme song for The Living Daylights? Um,
1: uh, um. Gosh.
0: If you get it correct, I will give you I will say a synonym for Eureka.
1: Oh uh-huh. aha. <laughs> <laughs> I remember I remember on the extra scene that video. I was like, Oh my god, this is crazy. Yeah. Yep. Take on me guys, yeah.
0: Yep. The take on me guys. That's right.
2: And Brian, I actually won because Steve only got one question he got the f- question in the first one. Wait. Yeah.
0: That's right. Yeah, you're right. Adam won. I'm sorry. The, you win and I take it from you. That's not fair.
2: <laughs> it, it happens so rarely. I have to bring it up like, hey, I did win.
0: <laughs> oh man. All right, folks. We're gonna be back in two weeks for a holiday themed episode that's probably gonna be us talking about whatever we feel like. <laughs> we are definitely not going to be discussing the next three episodes of Voyager. We're gonna save that in yeah, for January. So last chance, if you have anything you wanted to hear us talk about, send that in an email to trekcompanion at gmail.com. You can follow us on Facebook, facebook.com slash trekcompanion. Our Twitter handle is at trekcompanion. Thank you for spending, well, less than an hour, but close to an hour with us this time. And until next time,
1: take it easy. Bye guys. See ya.
2: I passed it.